Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, everyone. This is And Just Like That, The Writer's Room, the official companion podcast from HBO Max and Pineapple Street Studios. I'm Michael Patrick King, executive producer, writer, and director of In Just Like That. And I'm joined by executive producer and writer, Elisa Zaritsky. Hi, everyone. And executive producer and writer, Julie Rottenberg. Hi, guys. And co-executive producer and writer, Rechna Fruchtbaum. Hey. Hey, Rech. Hey, guys. Well, we are at the finale episode. (sighs) Of And Just Like That. And Just Like That, we're at the finale. <laughs> it feels like it was much longer than In Just Like That from the minute we started talking <laughs> about it to actually talking uh, about the completed journey. But here we are. Yeah. Over a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which exactly. for television time is pretty fast. It was really fast. fast-tracked. Yeah. And I also want to say right now that if you haven't watched the entire In Just Like That series up to now, please do. We're <laughs> going to talk about all nine episodes, all the way up into episode 10, the finale, which is called Seeing the Light. Whenever you're writing a series or a season finale, you always think finale. It means it has to be big. There has, something big has to happen. Literally, no pun intended. But something big must happen. And what's mm-hmm. interesting about what I think Carrie's storyline is, it's so small and delicate. And it's that her reading lamp starts blinking. And because it blinks for the first time after she has the kiss with Peter, the teacher on the street, she immediately thinks, big is mad at her. So to me, the idea of something coming from beyond, the metaphysical quality of what happens when somebody dies, how we sometimes look for signs, Mm -hmm. and that we waited nine episodes for Carrie to even acknowledge that perhaps... Big is still in the consciousness, not her consciousness, but in the bigger consciousness of heaven or spirituality or Mm -hmm. metaphysics or magic. And that it comes because, as Miranda says, it's guilt. (laughs) Get it fixed. (laughs) And Carrie says the lamp or the guilt. And she says both. So this little light comes on. Now, I want to talk about casting right now because it's important. That light was perfectly (laughs) cast, that little lamp. We looked at many lamps, but what I loved about the lamp 
it almost feels like a thing. It almost feels like a crazy Pixar character. There's something manageable about how small it is and something beautiful about how diffused the light is and directed is coming out. But it's so tiny. Once again, it's the tiniest lamp. And it's almost mm-hmm. the tiniest thread of a story. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's huge. And I think we just started talking about being connected to people that have gone on. And do you want to talk sure. specifically about your lamp? Uh, my mother uh, passed on and seems to be coming through every light that she can find within our family. <laughs> From Christmas trees to outside lights to my sister's recent experience where she was asleep in one of those adjustable beds and she woke up and it was moving. And she looked over <laughs> and the, the, the remote was all lit up. And a psychic told me that my mother was so excited that she could say hello through electricity. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you can put that wherever you want, but the reality is it did give me a doorway to start pitching to these guys. What if something comes through a lamp? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had talked a lot about going to a psychic at one point. Oh, yeah, that's Uh, right. We thought, you know, that's a thing people do when somebody Mm -hmm. dies. They want to go to a psychic. But... We've seen psychics, Mm -hmm. and then you're always doing the psychic character. So all of a sudden, it became the lamp. Mm -hmm. And just Mm -hmm. the fact that it pops on after the kiss. And it's important that the kiss be a non-kiss because it opens the door to the Seema story, which is she's having a lot of good kisses with Z, Zed. Also, we like the idea of starting the finale with the end of their date. We were like, we don't need to see it. Yeah. <laughs> no, because right. luckily— sure it was lovely. With, we get it. <laughs> we get it because luckily with John Tenney, we had built a three-episode arc. So we know Peter. It's not like he's a rando. Mm-hmm. We've seen them on the first jokes they make are like, well, no one got hit by a bus or suffered a concussion. Mm-hmm. We know that their dating history has been three strikes and you're out. Right. And this yeah. one, they survived until the kiss. But it's not what she remembers a kiss to be. And then the light comes on, and she turns it off, and then it comes on again. And then she jumps to the fact in the coffee shop. And by the way, we're back at the coffee shop. That's another thing we wanted to do in the finale. We rebuilt the coffee shop from Sex in the City, and we held off to the very last meal that they're all having together. We rebuilt that. That was the signature coffee shop, the signature chairs. Down to the plates and the bowls. Right. And people, I mean, people might not realize that the Sex in the City coffee shop was always a set. Until so, the movie, and, and it became more realistic in the movie. That's true. But it, it was a look. It was, was it, it a was location? Fake. It was oh, never real. It was real. always fake. So, <laughs> exactly. So, we rebuilt that coffee shop this time around. And because it was, we felt yeah. comfortable showing them in their former right. environment with this ridiculous new circumstance where she's pitching <laughs> She's pitching to her friends. That a biggest matter. Yeah. And that opened the door to a conversation we never expected to have. And the truth is that happens. I mean, Lise, you can talk about after your mom died. I'm still, I mean, my mother's name was Renee. And I now stumble across a Renee everywhere. Everywhere I go, there are Renees. And so it, you do, you can't help. Yeah, my mother is communicating yeah. to me. Because somehow. you don't want to have fully said goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, then it becomes really the question, the big conversation was, Charlotte brings up heaven. Because mm. Miranda's really in a Miranda <laughs> mode where she's like, mm, you mean he's coming through your lamp 
sarcastic Miranda is way mm-hmm. back. Like, I yeah. don't believe that there's anything <laughs> weird happening. Yeah, and I thought you, I thought right. we were on the same page about yeah. this. You know, Which, like, what's triggered? In a way, it's the whole theme about change. Who are we? Are we the people we used to be leading up to that Carrie Miranda mm-hmm. scene? In a way, the fact that it, she kind of gets her hackles up about, like, are you telling me you believe in heaven now? And Carrie's saying, eh, I'm she so says sure. I, I can before, but well, maybe now I, I do. I love that she Miranda says you think Big's up there the way Cynthia goes <laughs> puffing on a cloud, puffing on a cigar, and Carrie <laughs> basically is saying, "If it makes me feel better to think that, yes, yeah, things have changed in view of my present circumstances, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, that's totally. really the interesting thing about the whole last." grouping of the series uh, of And Just Like That, these last 10 episodes, is things have changed, and their opinions are changing based on their current circumstances. I remember when my dad died, and I was like, I've never been a religious person, and it was the first time I was like, I have never understood the purpose of religion more than right now, Mm -hmm. because I wish I had a belief system about where he was. I also think it's one of the the great— benefits of being a writer, that when something tragic happens to you like death, you don't just have to sit in it. You can spin it into the eulogy. You can Mm -hmm. write the eulogy. You Mm -hmm. can put it into another piece of writing like I'm doing right now with the lights and my mother. And then Carrie has taken it and crafted, because she's a writer, this scenario, this fantastical scenario, Mm -hmm. which she's sort of laying at the table like, yay or nay? Like, prove, disprove. And, of course, Charlotte, all of a sudden, (laughs) is like, do you think Big's up in heaven Mm -hmm. wanting you to never kiss anybody again? Do you really (laughs) think that's who he is? I mean, that's a good sentence to ask. And it's the ultimate projection of Carrie, because Carrie actually says, if it makes me feel better to think that he's up there and doesn't want me to kiss someone— she could have chosen to say he's blessed this right, idea, right. but instead it's her. She's she's writing all the rules. She's writing right, the story. Right, right. She's setting the limits. And she's also being pushed gently by the lamp to start thinking about her feelings about kissing somebody else. Yes. And then the other gentle push we give her is from uh, John's brother. He meets her for lunch and basically says, where's John. <laughs> now, I I just want to add that on set, I think this was one of the only times I can remember Sarah Jessica having a hard time getting through the scene for some reason. <laughs> he couldn't every time <laughs> every time she had to admit that she, for a minute she thought he might be, you know, Senile. demented uh, or senile or, or having early onset, she she just thought it was the funniest. She couldn't keep a straight face in that together. scene. It was really Every time you really said, funny. where's John? Yes. He just has the best <laughs> poker face. And I will t- say when I read that, when I got the draft, it like made me chuckle so hard. <laughs> and Sarah Jessica at the table when she's, he said, where's John? And she said, He's dead. That was the line that she got to say that she loves so much. And this has one of my favorite pitches of all time that I've ever experienced actually happening to me was when Julie (laughs) took a piece of paper and started drawing like that the brother would illustrate where the bodies were in the crypt. 
that made me so happy that that was a way of making that scene so real that Julie just started drawing it. It was amazing. <laughs> we were in your office. I remember when we were like how we were wrestling through that scene. Um, and yeah, it was a way of showing that he's both, it's this very emotional thing for Carrie and he's turned it into this uh, a logistical, yes, a, a, an algorithm, <laughs> a map. Like, it's, it's real estate. It's like, right. But also he does point out to her, he draws a little square and says, you could be here and the two of you could be together forever. Which when you hear somebody saying something like that, it just yeah. is it's ridiculous. Both sweet and <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> well, you're not gonna be together because you're ashes. Well, and it really pushes her to figure out yeah, what, where he where, needs to where be. Should he be? Because she he's on a shelf next to her very best shoes. And she all of a sudden, for the first time, it's like somebody turned a light on, goes like, You're ignoring this. And then he says it's coming up on a year, which is our way of saying to the viewers. This if is you've been year. tracking Time's this, passing. this is a year. Yeah. Also, I believe that the sometimes the people closest to the person who suffered the death, they couldn't be the one to do it. Someone else, he had to come in and give her the nudge. And, and say, also ownership mm -hmm. of the body. Like, I own him too. Mm -hmm. He's yeah. my brother. Yeah. We're waiting. Yeah. Which, who's going to win? Is he going with my family? Or what's your better plan? Which opens <laughs> Carrie to the second... <laughs> chamber of her, her storyline, which is, where does Big want to be? Yeah. Where does right. Big want to be? Mm -hmm. But before that, she leaves that lunch and returns to the lamp store where she has taken the lamp earlier mm -hmm. and says it just comes on weirdly by itself. Mm -hmm. And the, the clerk repairman says... That's very strange. Which you just is like, okay, I got one more. In, I got one more in heaven, camp. Right. One more in heaven. Right. It is, leading, isn't it? Leading the way. It, it is. She's like, yeah. And then this time he says, I fixed it. It was a wire. Yeah. That's one of my favorite moments of her performance when she's disappointed. It's such a, sm it, it, yeah. a tiny moment of, oh, oh, it was a wire. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, the ma it like takes out the magic. The magic. Yeah. yeah. He's gone. It wasn't a mm -hmm. gentle reminder, but he's gone. Also, before that, though, you know, as you start to go through taking inventory, the first person she tells about the kiss is Seema, who is the newest friend. The second people she tells are Charlotte and Miranda, who are the hundred-year-old friends. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and then the final card that's not being played is her telling Samantha. Yeah. Um, and the fun thing that happens in the diner scene is we start all the storylines in one scene, which is very classic Sex in the City storylines. One person says something, Miranda's storyline starts, ooh, I'm meeting Chase's family. Charlotte has that Charlotte explosion of, ooh, things are going well. And Carrie yeah. says, I love that you're still that, that girl. girl. <laughs> and then Charlotte gets a text from who? The rabbi, Rabbi Jen. And we learn that Charlotte has been at the very, very late hour, I think we said it was two weeks before the, the mitzvah, all the other rabbis have fallen out, alleged family emergencies, <laughs> and oh, thank God, they've gotten this trans rabbi, and who better to preside over a they mitzvah than a trans rabbi? And so we set up that Charlotte, over the course of this season, has gone from struggling and wrestling with her child's gender exploration to fully on board, embraced it, 
trans rabbi. Built a party around built, it. Yeah. <laughs> rebranded the term from bar or bat mitzvah to they mitzvah. And, of course, we know um, something's got to go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and then we meet Rabbi Jin, played by Ari Neff. Oh, my God. Who is so one of good. the strongest appearances <laughs> I've ever, like, she walks in and it's like, oh, okay, that's her show now. Yeah. For that mm-hmm. scene is hers. But before she comes in, we do have Anthony, which is so great. Uh, okay. And he has his hot fellas bread business. Oh, my God. Now, Elisa is a pro at making challah and knew a lot about this. We decided that we had to bring in the hot fellas guys because, as we mentioned, we always got bread on the days that we shot with the hot But fellas. also, it's a storyline. I mean, rather than shy away from – a lot of shows introduce an element that's a thing, and then they don't ever address it again. Right. And, uh, our two kind of abstract thoughts were the podcast, which became very real – and the Hot Fellas, which mm-hmm. was like a funny business. And we actually were able to follow it through, A, because it's funny to us. We get free bread. We get to see <laughs> we get to see those acid-washed little I Abner mean. Hot Fella uniforms. And it's a great, it's a great color for Anthony. So yeah. he comes up with what, Lisa? So, so he comes up with sourdough challah, which I have I did a little bit of research. I it does exist. I've never seen it offered anywhere. In fact, I did also, Google search, is there a challah, uh, sourdough challah in New York City? To this date, I have not found it. The only thing you can't find um, <laughs> on all of Google. <laughs> One day, maybe I will We're try to make it. business, yeah. But, yeah, we always think, what would the characters really do? And I think I think Anthony really would have made sourdough challah for uh, Charlotte's uh, They Mitzvah event. And it was also a perfect way, hearkening back to episode three, when Anthony gives Charlotte some a little bit of tough love advice to show that when he hears that Rock is dragging their feet and not practicing, not rehearsing, isn't ready, that it's Anthony who goes in there and is like, cracking that your whip. shit together. Yeah. Like, this yeah. is not a dress mm-hmm. rehearsal. And I should also add that Julie and I, this very year, both <laughs> were blessed enough to, <laughs> while we were working on the show, throw bat mitzvahs for our respective daughters. So, so we very, had a lot to... Uh, and yeah. and, and I, I can speak for myself. I did actually learn a portion of my daughter's Torah portion as I, you know, a little bit supervised her rehearsal of the event. So This is where it becomes clear Lisa's a much better uh, <laughs> mother or Jewish mother. You know, the shocking thing about a finale episode, specifically this one, when, when you talk to production, is somebody said to me, there are three parties in this one episode. There's mm. the they mitzvah, which I we always worried. knew was going to yeah. be giant and fantastic and art-directed. The and rainbow high. The rainbow high <laughs> yeah. and Charlotte. Candy. And, and, and the candy bars. The service and, then, and the party. And then there what turns into be a party, which Miranda thinks she's going to meet Che's family. An intimate dinner. And dresses right. oddly like she's going to Easter dinner. Like she's wearing a pretty pink presentable femme dress to meet the parents or the grandparents. And she walks into another party she wasn't expecting, which is this big nightclub party. And then the third party is the bizarre and fresh Jackie wedding to smoke. Surprise surprise wedding. wedding, The surprise wedding. So let's just talk a little bit about Miranda's not parent 
Easter dinner that she walks into. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> she just keeps repeating, I had no idea, yes. because Che has a big surprise. You're not just meeting my parents. You're meeting everyone I love, and I'm going to sing and tell you I'm going to California. <laughs> Through song. Through song. <laughs> Through the Beach right. Boys. So the idea of Che singing you know, Sada Ramirez has an amazing voice. They won a Tony for Spam a lot. They're a Broadway singer. They have a lot of soul. So it was like, okay, what are they going to sing? And I wanted it to be odd and a little silly. And so I knew that Che was going to announce California. So I thought about California, then California Girls, sung by someone of a non-binary gender, and then you see Miranda sitting between them, and they <laughs> all have gray hair. Right. <laughs> which never experienced until that moment. We're like, oh, my God, there's three women who love Che, and they all have gray hair. And then Che announces they're going to California. Now, Cynthia, come on. Oh, my God. Cynthia well, is— it, we've set up at the beginning of the episode that she's relieved that this family meeting is happening because after the fight, I think— Miranda was feeling insecure, so this feels mm -hmm. like another badge of things are going well. And then as she's watching Che sing the line, East, East Coast, Coast Girls. girls. When, I, re I really they, dig the way they, they <laughs> the clothes but, they wear. Yes, and you see Miranda look a little flattered, a little like, <laughs> who me? Um, and, then, and then it gets, obviously turns into Other. this reveal, and you see Miranda trying to keep a good, uh, like, this is this She's a doing bad the math. thing? She's so game and kind of trying to pretend like, I'm, I'm down with this. And, of course, you know, inside, she's dying. Um, and then pretending to be loving it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, totally on board. And I think we should talk about the fact that we really wrestled with, like, are they going to be together at the end? Is this the end? I mean, right. for a lot of the writer, the writing yeah. process, we, we thought we this was to that. breaking them up. Yeah. She was going to go, and then she wasn't going to go. That was, that was, we were building that conflict for a long time we we were talking about the question of monogamy and with Che over in California not promising to stay faithful right. to Miranda what would the you know, old that, construct that, right that that would be unacceptable and that actually does make a lot of sense but it doesn't make yeah, sense if it, Che it, doesn't say that exactly, though. so once that's removed exactly which then, Che doesn't say that Right. Yeah. Che says, I wanted the woman I love to be in the room with all the other yes. people I and love. Then, and then also Che says, I want you to come with me. So that was... Big. That was a big offer. And the other interesting thing about it, it's, it's fraught. Because before Che can sing, they down two shots right. of mm -hmm. tequila. Mm -hmm. And then you're... Asking someone who has just had a kind of borderline drinking issue. Oh, yeah. The audience is watching someone who needs liquor to sing, mm. watching Miranda, who when later in the second part of this thing where they're actually having the conversation, Miranda's twisting open a mineral water carbonated <laughs> bottle 
And she's drinking every, it's almost like a drinking game. Every time Chase says something that emotionally upsets her, she mm. pours another something. I felt like we were building toward Miranda realizing I have to choose myself. And then suddenly that felt like the expected mm-hmm. thing. And of course, it's going to be Miranda chooses herself. And then we were like, why are we doing that? Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I also think we really, I, I don't know, at least for me, there was like also just like wanting to be clear for Miranda that she didn't leave Steve for Che. Right. She left Steve because it wasn't working anymore. And then she has Che and that those things aren't like intertwined and in the way it would seem. So I think part of the avoidance of having her do the thing that now it's like, of course she has to go, was like wanting to make that clear. Well, plus also the interesting thing in 2022, as people watch and sort of process this, it's 2022. We're talking about characters that we would never have seen in 1962, yet people right. still want to promise. Like, yeah. like Che has to promise Something like if you're leaving that person, then you better have a firm commitment to this person. It's it's so interesting how we keep dragging our societal paradigms or patterning, which is what we've talked about a little bit in episode nine, into our current reality. So the interesting thing that we came up with, and I think Elisa was like, she has to give herself permission to change and then change back. She kept wanting very strongly. And Julie and I were like watching Elisa birth this idea that you can be one thing and then change back again. Well, yeah, we had two arguments, discussions around Miranda. And one was, should she go or not? And then the other was around her hair, changing her hair back to red. And I felt like Miranda as a character all these years has been so, so many great things, but she's also been very rigid. And in her mind following, you could almost see that she's following so many rules that she made up and that she feels strongly about and that she believes in. And that at a certain point, I think I felt very strongly that she had locked herself into a box that she needed to break out of. And that felt exciting. And then the idea that she would go back to her gray hair, we had, you know, that just sort of like bolt of blue, what could be the final moment for, what's a final moment for Miranda? And it 
came to me the red hair, and we had talked earlier in the writer's room. Okay, when you said the right, you actually gave a like a qualifier. Okay, I'm going to say something. (laughs) Get ready. I'm going to say something. What if she dyes her hair to red? Yeah. And And my first reaction was, no, no. (laughs) Julie's a redhead, by the way. I'm a redhead. Um, That's Julie's thing. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. No, well, probably because I one day might have to wrestle with, do I dye my hair? And I think I bought into this idea that Miranda was being true to herself by letting her hair go gray. Well, she made speeches. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I love. Right. And in the classic, our show, our other familiar show, before this familiar show, (laughs) is when anyone made a soapbox, it had to break. Right. Yes. That's it. And I think my first reaction of no, 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 no was... What will that say? Are we saying something that right. like we oh, have yeah. to right? And that's that you're exact, right. Yeah, and that's, that your adventure lives in in this like superficial thing or something. Right. Yeah, like yeah. we we made a statement. The gray hair, and I think in in my mind, that's what Miranda would. That would be her first level. Well, what is this going to say if I do this? And then fuck it. I feel like it. I'm allowed. I, I'm allowed. I feel like we're allowed yeah. to feel like doing things. Yeah, and I feel like thematically, too, this series was also, like, obviously exploring, like, what's new chapters look like? How do you shift? How do you change? But then also, what pieces of you do you keep with you, right. even in your changed things? And so in some ways, Miranda choosing red is like, that's a piece I'm keeping. I want to do that, right. you know? And I think right. that's and- really cool. In the same way, Carrie's like— Look, I, I don't care if I have a hip deformity. I'm still the girl who wears heels. Mm-hmm. Like, right. there's the stuff you keep and the stuff you shift. Yeah. And I, but especially and with Miranda, when she makes a—she holds the, the you know, which Brady says, what happened to all the gray pride, which is just <laughs> so close to gay pride. <laughs> but it's gray pride, and it's both her storylines, and it's very yeah. weird. But the idea that not only does she go back to being who she was— she goes back to being what her hair color was, yes. which doesn't right. mean that's who she is. That's that means it. that's and what like, color her hair is at this moment. She also lets go of the internship, which is nothing Miranda would ever do. Right. right. And something we felt sure uh, that if I'm watching that show, I'm like, she's going to do the internship. She's not right. going As soon LA. as Naya tells <laughs> us there's an internship yeah. at Human Rights Watch, yeah. But we know what Miranda's going to do. And that also led us to, because remember that scene in the bathroom with Miranda and Carrie and Rabbi Jen did not exist at the time of the table read. And I remember, first of all, we loved Hari. Am I saying it right? We loved that actress so much that we were like, let's give her more. But people who have been friends for 100 years, there is also this implicit feeling of a contract of like, you're this person— I know that. Mm -hmm. And then if you make certain changes, it also harkens back to the first episode where she says, you don't like my hair because it makes you feel old. It's like, if you're going to do this crazy thing and be un-Miranda, leave the internship and go with someone who may or may not give you what you want or need in the end, then that's going to force me to look at what I'm doing. But I want to point out that no one, says that. That's in Miranda's head. Of course. And also, Carrie doesn't say, if you're going to do this crazy thing, Mm -hmm. doesn't judge it. She says, are you doing this? Why are you doing this? 
it, there's a door open. Their conversation in the bathroom is about surprise. And Miranda comes in trying to be all of Miranda. Mm-hmm. She comes in with a schedule. I can do this if I do this. Right. If I do this, I can right. go to Paris and drop the ashes with you. I can do this, I can do this, and I can do mm-hmm. this. And then she's also arguing the other part, which mm-hmm. is when Carrie brings up reality, you can't do that. It's too far. She goes, but I want to be there. I want to yeah. be there for you, and I want to be there for Che. And Carrie's just the mirror yeah. to her insecurity. And Carrie is not judging her. She judges her once when she says, Mm -hmm. what are you going to do? Sit in an audience and laugh all day. And then she owns it. But the fact of the matter is Miranda is in a growth spurt. It's really about the fact of the matter. And Elisa, you said you can have a choice. And Mm -hmm. what I agree with that with a caveat, Mm -hmm. which is as long as you're honest and clean with the people whose lives yeah, you're affecting sure. along yeah, the way. Yeah. You can't just leave Steve and go. Uh, you have course. to sit down from Steve. And you have to have the hard conversations. You have to have the hard conversations with your partner that you're leaving, mm-hmm. with your partner that you're going to. And the great thing about the nightclub scene after Chase sings is old Miranda is there calling Che on their shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You had no time, but you'd had to do a, you had enough time, time to rehearsal. do a whole song. Right. And <laughs> practice. And then Che goes, I'm a fucking narcissist. Che's a stand-up. Owns their yeah. shit. The one line we did cut was Miranda, you don't like stand-up comedy. <laughs> but that's like the in the old draft of Carrie trying to awaken Miranda to her old right. self. It's like mm-hmm. you don't you hate stand-up. But right. the idea of Carrie and Miranda in the bathroom having the as Reginald just said, the hard, uncomfortable conversation. But it's really Miranda just saying, why can't I be this new person? And Carrie says, you can. Why are you asking me for permission? And that's the Mm -hmm. Mm grown-up. That's right. And and it's like sort of saying like it's you don't just come of age one time at 13 or whatever. Right? Like That's there's many so chapters true. and you can come of age at any of those chapters. Mm-hmm. And I think like there's so much even though it can it might feel shocking to people, there's so much hope in Miranda's story. By the way, first of all, this whole thing happens <laughs> when somebody's in a traditional bat mitzvah, somebody would be turning from a girl to a woman. And all of a sudden, right. these, these two grown-up 55-year-olds are having a discussion <laughs> while they're eating penny candy. Yeah. So they're like, they're 13 and yeah. 55. But the thing is, when Miranda says, I'm, I'm going to be in L.A., Carrie reacts with a, huh. Miranda projects, projects, projects yeah. that Carrie's judging it. But in reality, Carrie's mortified that she assumed that anybody else had to continue on this journey mm-hmm. with her. Mm-hmm. So yeah. she actually pulls away because she wants to get away because she's— She feels she realizes yeah, the she's held up to her. That, yes, oh, that, I've been this needy friend. And, and also, no one's going all the way with me. I have to do it alone. Right. But yeah. she assumed right. just that uh, those two ladies would be there for her, just like Carrie assumed that she would take the internship. Needless to say, the last vignette of Carrie is Carrie's version of reality. I mean, the gown she's wearing, the hair, 
the Eiffel Tower the bag, the gloves. <laughs> That's Carrie's reality, folks. That might not be your reality, <laughs> but if Carrie is going to go and say a final goodbye She's to the love it. of her life, to the health, mm-hmm. she oh, doesn't yeah. need anybody's fucking mm-hmm. permission, no. including the audiences. She has an impulse. She is dressed for herself, for herself, yeah. and for her. And for her late event. husband. <laughs> and Carrie's never been one who plays reality. There's nothing on a, there's no catalog that says or book what you should wear <laughs> if you're dumping <laughs> the love of your life's ashes in off the, the kissing bridge in Paris. <laughs> it's wrong to wear fuchsia opera gloves and a tangerine couture silk gown with Josephine. Sleep of Napoleon and Josephine hair <laughs> done by Serge Norman. It's wrong. Guess what, folks? Yeah. It's <laughs> it's Carrie. So it how we got to Paris is an interesting journey because the reality is I always knew mm-hmm. when you think of the old show, the significant end of that show was after the six years before the movies, the six years, Big told her on the bridge, it's you. So to me, the that's their moment. That's their opening in a portal. Mm-hmm. Paris, it's romantic, but it's, it's actually the fantasy the, come true. It's the first time yeah. he really said that to her. So it's fantasy and reality. And the reason she's actually in Paris is because she, after she has the lamp fixed, metaphysical alert. Not a spoiler alert, a metaphysical (laughs) alert. After she has the lamp fixed, it blinks again. And she goes to sleep, and she has a flash dream. She's back and forth between the bridge in Paris and Jackie and Smoke's wedding. The idea of that kiss, that romance, brings her... Oh, that's where Big wants to be. Now, you mm-hmm. can say it's your subconscious. You can say it's Big. But that's the reason Carrie's in Paris because she, in her subconscious, got a gentle reminder that that's a poetic end for them. And after such a tragic, tragic event, it's quite sad but poetic that that's where she releases Big. And the journey of pitching that to her friends and them not being, Miranda not being able to go makes that even more of a harder earned journey because she says to them at the end of the day, Mitzvah, uh, you two got me this far. I have to go the rest of the way on my own or mm-hmm. by myself. The great thing about a block comedy scene, which is what the they Mitzvah is, where you bring everybody around and they're you're venting all the stories and trying to collide them. So the they mitzvah was just pure heaven because what we've been chasing this entire season with Charlotte and Harry is their willingness to adjust how rock is changing. Once again, am I allowed to not change and then change back again? And guess what happens? As soon as you wrap your mind around something, it can change again. And also the idea of Charlotte Acknowledging she can't control, she can try to be the best mom, and still it it will and throw the bite best the party ass. and th- and you can read all the books, mm-hmm. but also the the incredibly mm-hmm. um, evolved I'm going to say rock point of view 
it's so evolved. Like, can I just be me? Do I have to be all these other labels? Do I have to decide now who I am? That's the other thing. There is something interesting about having them need to declare a major, you know, (laughs) very, very young, you know. And maybe rock, maybe some children do know very, very young and can declare who they are at a very young age. Not everybody is and... Maybe there's time, and everybody's developing at different Well, talk rates. about evolution. I mean, within rock, in this 10 episodes, Rose goes from Rose to rock to labels. And then now, the most, the youngest character of all the regular characters in the entire series is saying, all that's over. Yeah. I don't want yeah. to yeah. be called that. And don't tell And then me. you have Miranda, who's still Correct. lobbying for her ability to... <laughs> Make a choice. To make uh, a different version of herself viable. Yeah, Mm -hmm. to be outside her dogma. Mm -hmm. It It just shows the generational And it was important for us. And similarity, too. As as writers of a character who's 13, played by Alexa, who is now representing in the series a non-binary character, it was important for us to look at where the world is and where 13-year-olds are. And they are currently changing the world within the context of change by saying, I'm not using a name that's a human name. I'm Scout or I'm Rock. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And maybe maybe as adults, we have a sort of an inherent need to control, to define and control everything, no matter what is happening. That's kind of the paradigm that we're stuck in where we're yeah, like we're like okay. a label yeah. we're like a label uh, addicts, addicts yeah. or something like well now you're this so. well that goes back to the stand up where Chase says basically check a box which box you're going to check yeah. mm-hmm. and the reality we're box checkers and mm-hmm. then Harry is so funny going you know like what what an and Oculus then, <laughs> what do you want like who are you yeah. what's and it going to Char- take and Charlotte yeah. I mean literally we've put Charlotte between a rock and a hard place <laughs> yes. we've put That's Charlotte in, in, in her place. Place. In, in, <laughs> in her worst nightmare she's got a social event that needs to be a certain way yeah and the key element is the star who no one's been listening to right Saying, I don't don't have the fire to learn these words. I'm not practicing. I mean, when someone is not doing something, instead you just label it lazy, Mm -hmm. cocky, but in reality, didn't identify, Mm -hmm. didn't, and went the journey with the parents and then finally says, I'm not going to lie in front of people. And in a way, while the Rose Rock story is a very specific one about gender, it's really just, it it applies to all of parenting because Mm -hmm. your child is always going to surprise you. You're never going to be able to wrap your whole mind around Mm -hmm. wherever they are. If you're, if they you're, zig when you think they're yes, gonna zag. Yes, just <laughs> right. when you think you figured them out, yeah, they surprise right. you again. Right. If you, yeah, you, and the more control you want to exert, the more it's not going to happen. Yes. So. But the great yes. evolution is that we created a comedy situation where we get to see these parents up against a hard place, and yeah. then for Charlotte, she uh, makes her demand, 
her soapbox, stands on a soapbox. Someone's going out there and getting, doing they this, gave, they made it today, and then it's her. And then I, I, at this moment, I need to give a special shout out to Kristen Davis because that woman, in the previous series, Julie and I wrote the Shabbat episode where she memorably pounds on the table and says, set the date, after she's made her first Shabbat dinner for Harry. And in that episode, she had to memorize the Hebrew prayer over the candles. And boy, did she study she to practiced. learn that. And then this, I, I, I before uh, Kristen got, that, uh, got the script for the finale, I had a moment with her and I said, I hope you're okay. <laughs> hope you don't mind learning one more bit Prayer. of Hebrew. And Did you have to sing? So, she learned it. Yeah, and sure. She studied she it. Does everything. And she's so amazing. They she's do everything. A dream. She's a dream. And uh, I was very, I was beaming like a parent. And I was editing that day when we shot the They Mitzvah. So it was, I wasn't on the set for this second part. And when I saw the dailies of Charlotte's family, oh my <gasps> I got so emotional because I saw it with fresh eyes. Right. I saw Harry, not her dream date, yeah. not the man mm-hmm. she ever thought she'd be with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lily, the child she couldn't conceive, who became a daughter from China, and then Rock, who just 10 episodes was the child that she did give birth to as a daughter named Rose standing there as Rock in a, in a non-binary mm-hmm. pink suit. And just the image of that, where people get to in their lives or yeah. where fictional people get to in their lives, mm-hmm. so touched me. But really the journey that really got me was how wide Charlotte's arms were mm. to to go for the love yeah. that she thought uh. life needed to be. Like, oh, I'm not getting it this way. I'm just going to keep opening and opening and opening mm-hmm. and opening to the idea of love in whatever form it comes to me. Oh, that's so well put. Mm-hmm. And there it is. And it's mm-hmm. nothing she would have ever written for herself. Mm-hmm. No. It's something that we were able to write for her, but it's only because Charlotte's heart was she, her journey was so about love. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you think about Carrie letting go of the love that she worked so hard to find mm. and facing the unknown. The unknown. What's next? And what's next is our final little gift, our final little trick as a writing room, mm-hmm. our, our depth defying magic act was Franklin. The engineer in the booth. Yeah. The hottest extra. Yeah. We, we got Ivan Hernandez. I called up Bernie Telsey, who's our casting director. And I said, who's the most amazing actor that people haven't yet seen on television or in movies that they know of that we can cast and say nothing mm. for a few episodes so that people would say, Who's the hot extra? Yeah. Because we wanted to hide where we were going, which is he was eventually going to be somebody who became a bigger and bigger presence in the show. And just the idea that he's just the hottest extra in the first episode, and then in episode four, he starts to talk, and the first thing he says is he tells Chloe she gets it. 
He -hmm. protects Carrie's feelings. Mm -hmm. And then it just starts to be cute and fun. In episode three, he says... I, I, I agree, agree, Carrie, about the city bike. So there's yeah. these all these these breadcrumbs, so much so that people like started glitter. around episode yeah. four saying, she's going to wind up with guy. him. Yeah. Well, wind up with him. What does that mean? The fact <laughs> of the matter is the idea that uh, Franklin at the wedding says to her, that's a kiss at, at Jackie's wedding, and then says, I've been watching you mm. since you got <laughs> there. You're a podcast. And then, of course, she has a joke, how dare you? But he goes, give me a shot. So, I mean, that's telling the audience, here's the mat, here's is it. Mm-hmm. He's right there for you. And also, we wanted, we didn't want to end on the bridge. No, because so most, oh, wait, it would end. well, you would end. Let's, let's talk about the bridge. Before we go past the bridge, let's talk about the bridge. Aside from letting go of Big, mm-hmm. what she does is she picks up her relationship with yeah. Samantha. Well, yes. and in a way, this idea that the worst thing already happened. She says that. And the truth is, now she's done the hardest thing. And I think it's a way of doing that other scary thing. And Or her heart's open, like yeah. Charlotte's. Yeah, and, exactly. And the other loss, the other really big loss is this friendship. Samantha. And to, yeah. to sort of let go of mm. the no longer alive love and realize that the other love is Still actually alive. not very far away Literally, geographically. it's a channel of love. Because yeah. <laughs> you can go That's from true. Paris to London. It felt realistic yeah. Yeah. that Carrie would be there and go, I'm in Paris. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Want to meet for a cocktail. And Samantha, for the first time, instantly responds, how's tomorrow night? And then yeah. Carrie types, fabulous. In caps. We also ended all four of the women from the original with open hearts. Like that, all four of them end this season with, Mm -hmm. including Samantha. Yeah, for the first time, she's Mm -hmm. lets her in. Available, yeah. Because, you know, there's a lot of wounds in life. And sometimes a year helps. With Carrie, it helped her let go of Big. With uh, that time, maybe Samantha let go of her stuff about Carrie because Mm -hmm. she says— How's tomorrow night? Yes, she. Yeah. It's nice to imagine that she's grown also. She's had her own yeah. journey. You yeah. don't need to see what they said. All you need to feel is that they're back on track or they're in a new place. Mm-hmm. Can I change and then change Correct. back again? Yes. Can't we be can mad at each other? Can our friendship change and mm-hmm. change? And change back again and can. And the the interesting thing about the going back into the podcast studio, it's Carrie alone, and she's ostensibly doing what she used to do was talk about love mm-hmm. and heartbreak. Mm-hmm. And I remember the moment it was you who came up with the podcast name is Sex and the City. Yeah. And we were like, what? <laughs> yeah, and, and Sarah Jessica or Carrie, as Carrie, looks directly into the camera and says, I'm Carrie Bradshaw, and this is Sex and the City. And that's another place you think well, they're done. That's the end, yeah. No, yeah. they're not mm-hmm. done because life goes on. And <laughs> one of it. the things we've been able to do because of streaming and time and HBO Max is like, what's the story? Well, how long do you want it to be? Is that we can keep going because the show's always been about messy going. It's more than people <laughs> think it mm-hmm. should be, mm-hmm. literally. It's more. And like, oh, my God. Yeah. And then you come around that corner and there's Franklin and Carrie, and they're 
literally doing a cute little repartee. But the important thing thing is what (laughs) Carrie says to the caller, which is if you have one or two good friends in your corner, life is unfathomable or... Mm -hmm. I'm mystified the older I get. I find myself more and more confused by what's happening, which I certainly relate to. And the future is unwritten and, you know, Mm -hmm. anything's possible. As far as love, love. she says, the future is unwritten. Anything is possible. And if you're watching this back after the podcast, that's when Franklin comes into the frame. And just like that. There's a kiss. (laughs) There's a kiss. And what I love about the kiss is that there's a kiss and then Carrie goes back for the second part of the kiss. Mm-hmm. It's not just a kiss, but as the doors <laughs> close, she's like more of that. Yeah. And so we leave the viewers after many episodes of Carrie's uh, journey from dark to light in something that is very romantic. And open. Hopeful. And open. Possibilities there. Possibilities. And we talked a lot about the the last line. And we decided there is no, it's just, and just like that, dot, dot, dot. That's it. And, you know, people always think when you start a show, um, do you know where you're going? (laughs) You're getting in the car. Do you you know Mm -hmm. the destinations? If a show is a series, if a season of a Mm -hmm. series is like we knew where we were getting in the car at Big's death. We knew where we were going, or we thought we did, and it changed. Yeah, mm-hmm. you take side trips, mm-hmm. and you go, let's go over here, let's go over here, let's go yeah. over here, mm-hmm. let's go over here. Yeah. What about this? Because yeah. you have you to stay open. You take an exit, you realize yeah. you don't like There's where you're traffic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah but there is, a, there is a concerted direct line from Carrie being alone to Carrie kissing somebody that is a very uh, calculated hard-earned journey that we wanted to make sure it took a year out of respect to get her to the place of lightness. And it's lightness. a first kiss. It's a, you know. Between mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And there is light, which is echoing the other lights, only it's not a malfunctioning light. Mm-hmm. It's an actual spontaneous light that just appears between the two of them. And just like that, we've reached the end of this podcast series. Thanks, Rechna, Elisa, and Julie, Kelly, and Samantha, for all the conversations about In Just Like That. And thanks to all you, the listeners. It's been a pleasure to open up our writing room. Till we meet again. This is the official companion podcast for the HBO Max show, And Just Like That. And it's a production of HBO Max and Pineapple Street Studios. Our executive producers are Barry Finkel, Gabrielle Lewis, Max Zielinski, and Jenna Weiss-Berman. Our senior producer on the show is Emmanuel Hapsis. Jonathan Shiflett is our producer, and Janelle Anderson is our associate producer. Our managing producer is Aaron Kelly. Josh Gwynn is our story editor, and our engineers are Davey Sumner and Elliot Adler. Production music is courtesy of HBO Max. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. 
or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hacks is coming back and so is the official Hacks podcast. With us, your hosts. I'm Paul W. Downs. I'm Jen Statsky. And I'm Lucia Agnello. We're the creators and showrunners. Each week on the podcast, we'll break down the new episodes. We'll also have special guests, cast and crew from the show like Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart. Hack Season 3 is available to stream now on Max. Be sure to listen wherever you get your podcasts or listen directly on Max.